0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Damascus Road Church. We good? Hi, guys. Um, hey, um, before we jump into the Bible this morning and uh, talk about kind of what God is doing in you and in me and in us, um, I want to invite Talisa up. Um, Today, today. Yes. The so today is Talisa's uh, third anniversary of sobriety. Uh, we get to celebrate that. We we love celebrate recovery here. We love what God is doing, what Jesus is doing in the lives of people who turn themselves over to Him to say, "I can't do it on my own." Um, this. This is a reflection, I think, of what needs to happen in all of us. That we come to the end of ourselves and we, we call out on Jesus and we find him that he's already there. Um, so Talisa, three years ago, gave up and uh, started following Christ and is uh, sober and we get to celebrate that. The one thing that I will say is, while you have found freedom, you are not the only one. So because of your sobriety, you have been able to impact scores of people. God has been able to use you, not just to free you, but uh, to impact other lives. Yes. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. So I love that I get to do this. Thanks. Let's let's pray together and celebrate, Talisa. Father, we love we love what you do in our hearts. We are so grateful that when we come to the understanding of how bad a mess we've made, when we come uh, to really understand the guilt and the shame of our sin and our addictions, that we find that you have already paid the price for that, that you have already died, that you have already risen, and that you offer us a life that we couldn't imagine by ourselves. Father, we thank you for what you have done in Talesa and what you have done through her. And we celebrate today three years, and we are we have great anticipation of what the next years hold for her. So we thank you and we love you. We love Talisa. and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, really smooth transition. You guys know what dilly bars are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah really. Um, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, one of the highlights, especially of our summer, was riding bikes a couple blocks down uh, the street, across from the fairgrounds, there was a Dairy Queen. And uh, we loved the you know, like the fresh Dairy Queen cream ice cream that is coated in chocolate or butterscotch or cherry, and you'd have arguments over which one. And then had the Dairy Queen like, I don't know how they did that loop thing that was just, it made it magic, right? <laughs> but inevitably, Every time we went, we would hear my dad talk about his childhood and Dilly bars and we kind of roll our eyes because we knew it was coming because we'd heard it a hundred times before. When I was a kid, Dilly bars, you could get 3 for a dime. Like, okay, dad, that's that sounds awesome, but you're old. And then every, and then every time he would he would have this painful transition about when dilly bars changed their price from three for a dime to one for a nickel, and they thought the world was ending. And we'd celebrate our dilly and say, I don't know how, don't know how much it costs you. I don't have any concept of money right now. That sounds cheap. You sound old. And I have good ice cream. And the, the whole world was good. Um, we have a tendency as people to look back at the good old days. Or look back at what has been and celebrate the good things that have been there and uh, kind of resist change. We, we tend to really not like change, even if it could be good. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit today. Um, so the question, the question that I would throw out as we get in, right before we read uh, from Jesus is... Do you ever find yourself in that position? Do you ever find yourself longing for what was? Longing for the good old days of the past? Um, And I I guess a second question would be, does change scare you? You're not alone if you would say yes to that. Does change scare you? And what, what do you do when change starts to show up in your life? either uh, from yourself or from other people or from a job or maybe from what God is doing uh, and maybe through all of those things. So let's read. We're going to read today from Luke 5, uh, 30 through 39. Then we'll kind of, uh, I want to jump in here and then unpack it and look at what's going on around this because Jesus doesn't speak in a vacuum. Um, there's kind of all kinds of things going on. And we'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about maybe what it means for us today. So in Luke 5, starting in verse 33. And they said to him, they being the Pharisees, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. And then he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed." but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. So jump back a little bit. In the context here, uh, right before this has happened, Jesus, uh, Jesus has a conversation with Levi, who's also known as Matthew, writes the first gospel that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Luke, he goes by the name Levi, so Jesus has a conversation with Levi, who is a tax collector, and Jesus invites Levi to follow him, which the Pharisees do not like. They see Jesus opening the doors to people who have not followed the rules, opening the doors to backstabbers, and they they would commonly call them tax collectors and sinners to lump them all into one category. Jesus invites Levi to come close to him and to follow him. The tax or the Pharisees don't like it and they're grumbling. They're saying, why are you spending your time with these kind of people? And Jesus' response is, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. People who are well don't need a doctor. I've come for the sick. And what he's saying is, if people think they're all put together, very likely they're not going to listen to me. When people understand that they're not put together, then we have a chance for a conversation and i I want to come for the people who are listening and they say uh, the Pharisees basically say but you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong by inviting the people that you're inviting your disciples are not following the rules like fasting like regular prayers and Jesus talks about uh, Jesus says why would, on a wedding day, why would they fast when the groom is right there? We're ready for a celebration. And he's calling himself that. And he's saying, there'll be a time where I go away and they'll fast. But now is not that time. And then he tells two parables that, that go on to basically say, I'm doing something new. What you have known is not all there is. And what you have known is not the full story. So he tells two parables. And the first one is about this garment, and the, the first one has a hole, and then he said, you don't find a hole in your jeans, go out and buy a new pair of jeans, cut a piece from the new jeans, and then patch the old jeans, right? Because uh, once you put it in the dryer, the new stuff shrinks, it pulls the patch together, it's, you got a new hole, it's a bigger hole, you've ruined both pairs of jeans right now, and there's a what a waste kind of sentiment to that if you have a hole in your old jeans, go get some new jeans. Done, right? And then he goes on and he says, and no one puts new wine in an old wineskin. And the reason was, they were made of animal skin, which is kind of gross, and if we can get over that, then we can see what they do. When when they put it in, we like sausage, right? We're in Wisconsin, we should deal with it. Um, uh, When they put the wine in the skin, the wine, while it's fermenting, kind of expands. It produces gas and it expands. And new wineskin has an elasticity to it so that it would expand with the wine. If you dumped out or drank the wine and then poured new wine in an old wineskin, the elasticity is done. You guys ever, do you have pairs of shorts that were elastic shorts and you put them on, you're like, they were tight at one point, but there's no more stretch. Do you have that and you tie it really tight, or I'm the only one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we should throw those out. Right? Um, he says if you pour new wine into old wineskins, it bursts. And you waste it. You've wrecked the wineskin and and the new wine can't be enjoyed by anybody. And what he's saying is, what he's saying is, there is a hole in your system. There is a hole in the way you have been doing things. And rather than just try to Patch the hole with something else I'm offering something new I'm offering a different way to look at life so Jesus with this first picture says the time that I'm bringing the era that I'm bringing is like a new is like a new garment we want to do something new with it we can't mix Jesus with an old way of life it doesn't work. If you just try to add a little Jesus to your life. That sounds good, but ends up making a mess. All of a sudden, like people who pray prayers and don't actually get changed, don't actually get transformed. It's actually dangerous because then all of a sudden they think they're good with God when maybe they just put a little Jesus patch on the thing and they're still they're still wrecked and they're still broken. What we want is all of Jesus in our life. We want to take the old and put it away, and take the new and put it on. And then with the wineskin, he's saying, "My the era that I'm bringing in is also like wineskins. I don't want you to just to keep using the old system, because you're going to burst. I want you to follow me. And then he does this. He says, No one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. And a lot of people think Jesus is kind of saying, nobody likes change. People like to stay with the vintage instead of opening themselves up to something new. And uh, we have this tendency as people, I think, to dig in, to claw down, and to say, I'm staying where I am. And if anybody wants to change that, I'm not going that way. Jesus is doing something new. And it's not consistent with the way the Pharisees were doing it. It's not consistent when we, when we try to make it on our own. It is consistent, however, with uh, the story that God has been telling the whole way. He never wanted the Pharisees to rely on themselves. He never wanted us to become super religious where we say... What do I do uh, to earn and to merit a relationship with you? He always wanted us to live in a covenant with him where we trusted him, where we followed him, but where he is our life. It's not about what we're doing. It's about what he's already done. So I've said, we, we as people, I think, have a tendency to cling to the old days, like my dad with dilly bars. I don't know if you have said it, or your grandparents said it. Like, when I was a kid, we used to walk to school both, hill, or both ways uphill, and it was like, did anybody really say that? Um, was it was that just a joke that came out of somewhere? We reflect on past days in our culture, or maybe even our church, or in our family, And we just want to retreat to the good old days sometimes. Change is scary and we resist it. Or maybe we don't long for the good old days. Maybe we're just content where we are. Maybe we're just fine settling. And Jesus challenged the Pharisees. They saw it as a threat. said, I want to do something new. And they got mad. They ended up killing him for what he was doing. They got so stuck in their routine that they couldn't see the newness that Jesus was bringing. I think maybe the hardest people to reach, the hardest people to help change, are the ones who are content. The ones who don't have any, they don't feel any reason to change. You look at, you look at um, especially neighborhoods with wealth or cities with wealth. And you'll find people who are like, no, I'm pretty good. Except, except when all of that stuff fails to fulfill, then you find your need. But as long as we can keep accumulating or as long as we can just kind of stay where we are and hover, um, it can be tough to crack. So maybe, maybe you dig in and you long for the good old days. Maybe you're content. Or maybe you're a third kind of person. Maybe your life is incredibly hard right now. Maybe your life has been hard for a long time. But the truth is, at least you know what to expect. And so rather than trying to change, you cling to what you know, even as broken as you know it is. People stay in abusive relationships way too long because it's what they know. Because it's just what they know. And what they don't know is scary. Change can be really scary. People grow up thinking God is waiting just to strike them. And they can't imagine a different kind of God. And so they'll go through the motions and they'll try and be super religious and they'll try and appease God. Because grace can be really hard to handle if I have built my life on earning it, all of a sudden, to come to a point where I would say, you mean I can't earn it, can be a really hard pill to swallow. And grace isn't always easy. Grace can be really, really difficult. Following Jesus is not meant to be safe. Following Jesus is not meant to just let you coast along. He is doing something new. To actually accept grace in our lives, maybe for the first time or in an ongoing daily way, accepts or says we have to give up control. It's like Talisa three years ago. I'm done being in control. I have to give up control and I have to recognize my need. And in that space, I also get to recognize what Jesus has already done, what he already gave. And then I start to live in that reality. Then I start to live in grace. And I follow him. Following Jesus can be really scary every day because I say, I can't get comfortable. I can't settle. I can't just be be satisfied with what he gave me yesterday. I need to be looking for what he's speaking, what he's saying, what he's giving to me today as well. I don't want to get comfortable. And I don't want to lose hope. I don't want to lose hope. Because I know, even when I'm going through a rough patch, he's always cooking up something new. He's always growing something in me and in people around me. And if I can call his name, then I have a chance to follow him. Following Jesus says, I change the way I live. I change the way I actually interact with others because it's no longer about me justifying myself. It's now I get to share what God has done in me and I get to extend that to you. So my question to you is, What is God doing in your heart these days? What is God doing in your heart these days? What is he stirring? What questions do you have? What are you hearing from him? Where is he calling you to follow? Do not be content to have just heard from God once, to have invited him into your life, back there, and then coast. I think he's always looking to do something new. If you are not hearing from him, maybe it's time that you ask him to say something. Or maybe it's time that you start to quiet some of the noise and distractions, because it could be he's already trying to say something to you. He's already trying to get in. And you say, God, if you're speaking, please just don't let me miss it. With Jesus, you don't have to let fear of change win. You can trust him, and you can follow him where he's leading. The Pharisees got stuck in the routine, and they missed what he was doing. And we get to be a part today. We get to be a part today of saying, Jesus, I want you in my life, and I want to see what you're doing in my life and in the life of others. So I'm so excited. We're gonna stop there. We're gonna transition because today we get three, three real life examples of people who are saying, God is doing something new in me. Each one of them have their own stories, and I'd encourage you, if you know them, uh, ask them about what God is doing and ask them about their decision to get baptized today. Um, A word about baptism, Okay, what we believe here at Damascus Road, we don't believe that baptism is a way to earn extra credit in heaven or it's a spiritual ticket to God. We don't believe that uh, baptism is what saves you. We believe wholeheartedly that faith in Christ through His grace is what saves and that baptism is a declaration of what has already happened. That baptism is me saying, Jesus, Jesus is invited here. I, want, I trust him and I want to follow him and I want to tell you that I'm in. And we get to celebrate that. Baptism is a declaration of what has already happened in our hearts. Okay? So the other thing that I think is very important to remind us of is baptism is a fabulous reason to celebrate. When we get up from our chairs in a little bit and we walk over to the curb and we say, this is not fancy. <laughs> we have some water and we're going to dunk people. Okay, What's going on is people are declaring, Jesus is in here. I am his and I follow him. And that is reason to holler. Okay, yeah. That's reason to clap and to celebrate. Uh, we don't have... We don't have permission to make a lot of noise uh, with amplifiers today, through speakers. But they can't hold us back from clapping and celebrating with our own voices. Okay? So let's pray. And then what I want you to do is let's all stand up uh, cordially and uh, walk. This is not a fire. Okay? Uh, Let's move over to the baptismal and we'll get ready for that celebration. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus Thank you for doing something new. As people, we tend to resist change. As people, we tend to cling to what has been or what we currently have. And we, as a church, want to invite you to do new things in us, in our church, in our community, in our lives individually. Would you do new things in our families? Would you do new things in our hearts? Would you do new things in our relationships? Would you open our eyes in greater and greater ways to how glorious you are, to who we are in you and what we have in you? Would you make us never content to live on yesterday's grace, but make us hungry for the grace you have today and tomorrow? Keep us hungry for you. Thank you today. For an opportunity to celebrate baptism. We can't wait. Amen. Amen. All right, let's move on over.